This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to College Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is our post-match of the embarrassing 3-0 loss for Fulham against Bournemouth. This was a terrible loss, and we'll be breaking it down in a few minutes with my co-host, who happens to be Max Cohen. Before I go to Max, I do want to acknowledge some horrible events over the weekend. Two tragedies, one in the city of Leicester and another in the city of Pittsburgh in the United States. These tragedies have uh, shaken me to the core and make me put it into perspective life in itself. So I just wanted to acknowledge this. And Max, I'm now going to go to you. I want to let you share whatever you want to say about both of these situations. I'm, I'm still affected by both of them. Yeah, I'm with you there, Russ. I think you know, after hearing the news of both of those tragedies, obviously our hearts go out to the victims and the communities affected, but yes. also really puts into perspective you know, what, what, what sports is, you know, what football is about. And, of course, I'm sure both of us were feeling devastated after the full result. But at the end of the day, it really does pale in comparison to other events happening in life. And it's easy to get caught up, you know, in yeah. the everyday drama of what's going on at Fulham right now. Um, and obviously that's what we're going to do today. But sure. it's always nice to take a step back and realize, you know, what, what's happening in the world and, and how it's um, really – it's a scary place right now, Russ. Yeah. But I think sport can offer us that outlet in many ways to channel, you know, a lot of what we're feeling and, and, and escape some of the scary stuff happening. So that's what I really look to Fulham as uh, in some respects. Totally agree with that. And uh, I'm glad that you shared your thoughts on that. And uh, I do want to mention that uh, we decided to wait a day out of respect for the these tragedies and really just reflect a little bit more. It, it really has affected me, and and I'm glad that we made that decision. But like you mentioned, Max, uh, Fulham is a passion of both of ours, and uh, this is a you know an escape for us. You know, when you're looking at uh, the real life uh, situation, so it, it's good to have this 
outlet this passion that we have. And uh, but but I do want to just before we move on, just mention one more time my my thoughts are with everyone in the cities of Leicester and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm thinking of all of you, and uh, we'll get through all of this together. Again, just continuing to think about everyone in these two cities. All right, my friend, let's now talk about what happened on Saturday. Let's talk about the fall match. I want to get your opening thoughts on this loss. Max, unfortunately, this has been a habit. We, we do these post-match shows. You come on with me, and it's almost like a broken record. This match is a little bit different. We have a lot to talk about with it. Just give me your opening thoughts here. Not good, Russ. I mean, you look at what we said after the Cardiff City match. We said, is that going to be a turning point for us? Yeah. And you look at a home match against Bournemouth, and you can say all you want about Bournemouth being a good side this year, and that's all true. But at the end of the day, in the Premier League, you have to target matches such as Bournemouth at home as places to pick up not just one point, but really pick up the three points. Totally agree. And what happened on Saturday was the complete opposite. We didn't just get beat. We got beat 3-0 at home. And compounded with what happened against Cardiff, compounded with the five goals at home against Arsenal, it's becoming a trend of losses, a trend of negativity. And I'm worried at this point, Russ. I really thought we'd see a reaction. I think in some respects you did see a reaction, but it was not nearly good enough. And I think we're going to talk about the comments from Tim Ream and discuss whether the players are up for it or are, are ready to battle for Fulham. But at this moment in time, I need to see a change. And, and of course, we're going to point to the Huddersfield match next week as another massive match. You know, they're bottom of the league and whatnot. But when will we see a response? When will we see an actual reaction that result that translates to points on the board? And I, I don't have an answer for that right now. Neither do I. And uh, I hope that we see a reaction against Huddersfield Town. That is a match that they desperately need, all three points, Max. And just like winning, winning can breed more winning. Losing can breed more losing. We're seeing that. It just continues and continues. And uh, there are many factors that go along with that. You have the uh, head coach deciding to change things up, change formations, trying to do different things. So he's trying to find a solution. But uh, I do believe that there's a lack of confidence with this team. And uh, actually, I'm going to read some quotes from uh, Tim Ream, which we are going to talk about that at the end of uh, the uh, transcript that I'm going to read out to you. But this Tim Ream interview, and again, I want to give credit to uh, Ryan O'Donovan from London who put on his uh, website the full transcript. So we're going to do this in two parts, my friend, but very revealing. Again, Tim Ream coming out strong, talking about Fulham after the match. So let's go through this now, and uh, I will stop halfway through, and then we'll talk about it. So... These are questions, and I'm just going to read the question and then the answer from Tim Reeb. And um, in this first part, there are going to be a few questions, and I'll just read the answers after that, and then I'll go to you, my friend. Here we go. This is from Tim Reeb. And the question was, are the players playing for the manager? His answer, quote, I don't think it has anything to do with the manager, to be honest with you. We're not playing for ourselves and for each other, first and foremost, and there's no togetherness. We give up a goal and heads go down, and today it was a bit different. We had a little bit more of the ball in the second half. We came out with a little bit more fight in us and started going at Bournemouth. We gave up a second goal, and that's when heads just really dropped. There's no fight amongst the group right now, and I said midweek, we're not a team at the minute. We're a group of individuals who don't 
look like they want to stay in the league. And until that changes and guys, myself included, step up even more, it's going to stay this way. Then he has asked, are there too many new faces? Quote, no, I don't think you can blame that on the new guys. I don't think that's fair on them. I don't think that's fair on the guys who are here. There's just not that same mentality and determination. I think too many guys are happy to skate through and not put in the effort that maybe we put in last season. That's down to every individual. We have to look at ourselves first before pointing fingers. This guy and that guy. You have to look in the mirror. It's easy to say that I know. Unless you're willing and ready to raise your own standards, you can't expect other people to raise their own. And one more question. When you mention your frustration, do you see that among teammates? Here's his answer. Quote, yeah, and that's natural. Everybody in there wants to win games. Everybody wants to be further up the table. Everybody wants to score goals. It's not anything special. It's not anything new. There's definitely a frustration. We're not picking up results. We're not winning games and not conceding so many. It's not a frustration with this player or that player. It's more of a frustration at the situation, not one thing that's going on, unquote. Okay, those are quotes from Tim Ream. Asked three questions. What stands out to you from what I shared, Max? For me, don't don't make that public, Tim Ream. Keep, keep that in-house. I think everything expressed there is, I think is, might, might be true. Yep. It's a fair point to say. Don't, don't speak that to the press. Keep that inside the dressing room. It just creates a, I think we don't want to hear about this. Of course, that might be the fact situation that people, the players aren't trying, the players or whatever you said, skating through, not really trying as hard as they could have. But don't, don't, don't um, air your own dirty laundry in public. I just, I just think that's a questionable decision from Tim Ream. Obviously, he's made the calculation that this is going to get a reaction out of his teammates. Yep. But he did the same thing in midweek, and I don't think it made one bit of a difference. Yep. And it just honestly makes the club look even worse than it is right now. I'm going to have to take a big issue with players calling out teammates and calling out himself. I mean, in public, I'm not a fan of that, I'll be honest with Russ. I don't think he should be Max, saying that kind of stuff in public. I'm very glad that you said that. And – while you're saying this, I'm thinking about my own team, the New England Patriots, and this would be a big no-no for them. This is something that head coach Bill Belichick would be livid about. Like you mentioned, keep it in-house. Ignore the noise. Don't let it get out. Don't let the noise get out. And he's letting the noise get out. He's letting this get out. Handle it in-house. Don't do this. He's probably, like you mentioned, trying to get a reaction to try to better things. But – this is not the way to do it. I'm glad that you said this because I actually feel the exact same way. Thank you for bringing that up, my friend. Yeah, and, and for sure. And it's just, I mean, you mentioned the Patriots. You can say whatever you want about the Patriots, but I think one thing everyone can agree on is they're a professionally run organization. Yeah. And professionally run clubs, like Fulham should be in practice, this doesn't happen. No. It doesn't no, happen. it shouldn't, that's, it that's shouldn't happen. This shouldn't happen, my friend. I'm glad that we're talking about this because if a player is going to speak – Keep it in-house. Keep it general. Don't tell the media these types of things because it just makes, I think, the matter worse. Yeah. And, I mean, we do have to look at his, his comments at face value and say, you know, who, who, who is culpable? You know, I mean, he, I mean, Tim Ream, if Tim Ream was playing superbly uh, every week and was being a complete warrior and really was what he was last season, then maybe these comments have, have more weight. But I think we can all agree he's not been nearly at his best this season. And I think you kind of lose some of your credibility. 
if you're, yeah. if you, I think Tim Ream has not played his potential this season, and you can't oh, go out there and, and and call your other teammates if you've not been, you know, a superb leader on the pitch yourself. That's the kind of gets me angry. And but but is it true? Do you do you really think there are players um, at Fulham who don't don't really try their hard? I mean, it's it's a weird situation to think about because obviously last season it was this tremendous group mentality with that twenty three match unbeaten run and overcoming all the adversity of starting out the season on such a poor state. Do you think that's gone, Russ? I mean, that, that's what really worries me. Is, is what Tim Ream really saying true? Or is he trying to sensationalize it just to get a reaction? What I think right now, Max, is that you have a bunch of new players. And he's not blaming the new players, but you have all these people coming together, brand new team, and they're playing as individuals as, and not as a team. And that's part of the problem. And when you lose – it just continues to build and build and build because you're not building a winning mentality. You're building a losing mentality. And then you start pointing fingers. What is this? This is pointing fingers, Max. This is basically blaming everyone. And I understand that, but keep it in-house. Keep it in-house. You win and you lose as a team. Maybe he should just say that we're all culpable and just leave it at that. But this is taking it a, a step further. So, I'm there with you on this, and, and I'm a fan of Tim Reams. I'm not a fan of this at all. So I'm glad that you actually were the one to say it. I was thinking the same thing, my friend. I'm glad that you came out and said that. All right, here's the second part of this. And here are a couple more questions posed to Tim Ream. Here's another question. How bad is the lack of confidence? Here's a quote from Tim Ream. Quote, it's a huge issue. That goes back to the mentality. Okay, so we can see the goal. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to crumble or are we going to try and change things? After the first goal, we looked like we were going to try and change things. We came out in the second half, looked like we were going to do something about it. And for some reason, the second goal goes in, and that's when heads go down. It's human nature to a certain extent, but you still have to fight. It's not acceptable to just cave in and roll over, unquote. Here's the second question. How crucial is next week at Huddersfield? Here's his answer. Quote, every game's crucial. It doesn't matter whether it's Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Liverpool. We have to start getting results, getting three points. We need to be more solid all over the pitch. Unquote. Okay, my friend, those are two more questions and answers from Tim Ream. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's true. And, you know, after the second goal, obviously, it's not just the second goal. It's also sending off. That really compounded it. So I, I think was there a lack of fight? Possibly. But when you're already down 2-0 and you're down to 10 men, and then you can see that third goal. At some point, I think Fulham, we can, we can maybe criticize the team kind of paradoxically for being too open once we're down by a couple of goals. I mean, we saw this against the Arsenal game. A lot of teams kind of pile on late goals against us when they're chasing the game. So I don't know if it's necessarily a sense of heads dropping or us trying to be too open and trying to be too attacking. That does seem a trend towards end of games when we're, when we're already down uh, at two goals we tend to concede another one just to compound the result and make it look a lot worse than it actually is. I'm not going to list three matches off, off the top of my head. The Everton match, the Arsenal match, and, and the most recent Bournemouth match, maybe even Cardiff, when the, the scores probably should have been a lot closer than they were, but because of a willingness to maybe be too gung-ho or take too many chances once we're already down heavily, the scores got compounded to look even worse. So I think maybe Tim Ream is going to say that's because heads dropped. I don't really even know if that's the right, the right um, analysis of that. But, I mean, who knows? It's, 
the fact of the matter is we keep getting down in matches. We haven't scored the first goal in a match yeah. in, in a while. And when you're going behind, you're always going to start off negatively. And yeah. it's always going to be a match from the club. Okay, very good then, my friend. Next, we have uh, a, another co-host joining us, Mr. Mike Gregg. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Russ. Hi, Max. Uh, yeah, I got your message, Russ, and I just came in. So uh, <laughs> we're doing some stats. Saw your message. Oh, oh, after the weekend, maybe it's worth coming on and uh, putting the view. Sure. Well, Mike, listen, we were just talking about the comments from Tim Ream after the match. I don't know if you ha- happen to see the transcript from Ryan O'Donovan. So feel free to share your thoughts on that if you've seen them. We were just going through them. And then I want your opening thoughts on what you watched. Yeah, I, I did see his comments. I sort of skim read, read him uh, earlier today. And uh, obviously he was also in the press last week. So he seems to be the the go-to voice in the uh, in the dressing room at the moment or at the club, which I'm finding a bit odd when you consider, you know, Kenny is club captain. You could argue McDonald's vice captain. Yep. I know he does some stuff. So maybe he's taken it upon himself to put himself forward and fair play to him. But uh, you can just tell in the tone of sort of reading the stuff, you know, it's everyone's frustrated trying to find a way to get things to work. And, um, you know, there's lots of stories about unrest and camps and all this kind of stuff. And you always have that in any kind of, you know, team. There's always going to be cliques are probably the wrong word. But, you know, you have groups, friends, age groups, that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, they've got to get together. Otherwise, uh, you know, the only group they're going to be part of come the end of the season, is a group that gets relegated. So uh, if they want that on their CV, that's up to them. Well, Mike, one of the things Max and I were just talking about is uh, the fact that Tim Ream, this is the second time he has spoken out. The first was was with uh, Sky Sports. And I really gave this some thought. Maybe this is just from how I react here to some of the teams, is that basically players don't call out other players like this. Keep it in-house. How do you feel about him basically calling out his teammates? Because I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I wish he would have kept this in house because I think this is making could potentially be making the matter worse. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, I mean, he's, he's obviously not called out any one individual. And, no, he hasn't. And I, I did read that specific part today because you know, on a couple of forums and a couple of people posting, you know, they are saying that. Uh, there are groups and it must be all the new players. They're the ones who aren't, you know, getting involved. But actually, if you read the headline and he talks about we haven't got the, um, you know, we haven't carried over from last year, is he talking about some of the players who came up? Have, you know, have they not stepped up to the plate? You know, because um, it, it's such a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, you... Uh, I understand what you're saying, Russ. I do understand. But then, we, you know, we criticise players for not saying anything and having a bit of a closed shot. So, you know, and you believe what's been said, you know, they had some harsh words with each other yeah. in the dressing room, apparently. But uh, as long as you don't call out individuals, I mean, you can say, you know, you're not saying there's... He didn't say anything which was unexpected, you know. He, he just um, admits that everyone's got to improve and, and pull together and uh, 
I didn't see. I, I actually thought the stuff he said midweek was probably worse than than uh, the quotes I've seen today. Okay, fair enough, there, my friend. All right, let me get your opening thoughts on this match, and then we'll break it down. Right. Well, I mean, there's obviously been a lot written, and uh, you know, a lot of hasty comments, I believe. Anyway, um, actually, at the game, there's no doubt. Over the, from very early on, Bournemouth were the better side. You can't can't not not that at all. We give away a silly penalty, um, but up until the second goal, you know it's a close game. You know we I think um, Rico makes one save. Um, Schurler has a shot on target in the first half, but there's not much else going on in in fact. And uh, while Bournemouth uh, did attack well. Certainly, beginning of the second half, we had uh, we had quite a bit of the ball before they yeah. scored. So I thought we were doing okay, but the second goal just killed us. And and it's almost it is almost every game we're starting with a two goal deficit. And yeah. it I played in teams where you know you just lit in goals constantly, and it is a depressing thing. You, you've got to pick yourself up, and. All the heads go down, the, the, the heads in the crowd went down, people got up and left even when the second goal went in. So, uh, and then the third, just depressing, the descending off as well, which was right in front of me. I'm literally right in line with it. And uh, terrible pass from Adoy. And let's just say uh, McDonald had a few harsh words to say at him as he walked off. And I think, good job, the camera wasn't on him too much. Um, <laughs> But overall, yeah, uh, you know, the substitution as well for Kearney to come on, well, not a mistake to bring him on. I thought moving McDonald to centre-back was uh, uh, was wrong. Yeah, um, I'm there with if you. Not, yeah, maybe not the change of formation, but certainly the movement of the pe- people. I think Kamara's had a bit of a rough deal. Yes, the diving is horrendous, and certainly his end product has to be better. But he kept running, he kept working, and but it, you know people have it ingrained in them. Once you don't like a player, and I, I do it myself, there's certain players I over the years who I've disliked, and no matter what they do, I'm always going to struggle to see what they do positively. Um, but uh, I don't think he was as bad as some people. There, there were worse players on the pitch uh, on Saturday. Okay. So overall, questions are. Why are certain players missing? Why is Yukanovic's in-game substitutions a disaster at the moment? You know, everything he touches, we might be a goal down or level, and then straight away, as soon as he makes changes, we just seem to let in a couple of goals all the time. Um, and nothing's running for us, but uh, there, are, there are so many questions at the moment. And, um, you know, I think the majority, I think the majority certainly want your candidates to stay and but he needs to improve his decisions and the players have to improve their decisions as well on the, on the pitch okay very good there before we um talk about the uh starting 11 the 18 overall i'm actually going to read some quotes from eddie howe because i find them revealing after the match and want your thoughts on this because um the uh title of this article from the evening standard eddie howe tells Savicio Kanovic to stick by foam philosophy and bid to stop the rot. And here is the quote because it's very revealing to me what Eddie Howe said. And keep this into consideration that 
Bournemouth's first season, they ended 16th and they went through a transition. So that's why I'm I'm taking these words seriously because here's someone that has been through it, Eddie Howe. So this is what he shared after the match. Quote, it was a difficult time the first year in the Premier League. Howe told Standard Sport of Bournemouth's early struggles. Quote, again from Eddie Howe, I'm not going to give out advice. It's more for the supporters in the club. Foam got here by playing the way they did in the championship, which was nice to watch from everybody's perspective. I enjoyed watching Foam play. Once you have built that style of play, ways of doing things, the last thing you want to do is change, unquote. Those are quotes from Eddie Howe, Mike. I, I want your thoughts on this because there's all kinds of talk about the style of play. And let's be honest, Savisa has been trying to find a solution. I think that the way that he started the match with the formation, I think, was a mistake against Bournemouth. He's still trying. But what do you think about what Eddie Howe shared after the match? I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to use I'm going to use Burnley and Bournemouth as examples. So, okay. Uh, you know, if we start with Burnley, they got promoted, got relegated, come back up, got into Europe, and uh, you know, are an established side at the moment, shall we say? Um, but they stuck. They stuck with their manager, and you know, they have a style. They have a, a business model as well, and and so you know, everything was complete faith in what Sean Dice was doing. And I, I don't know if you read the. I know some people may have read my long thread yesterday, uh, which I put on Twitter. But um, sure. basically, I. Do you have faith in Yukanovic? Yes or no? If so, you stick with him. But I put a caveat in there. He needs to sign a contract and uh, extending his stay beyond next summer and also commit as well that if we go down, he stays. So that's a conversation that has to be had with the owners okay. and, and the manager, obviously. No one wants to see a team get relegated. Absolutely not. But um, you know, Jukanovic has shown last couple of years the quality of football. It is a learning process for him. He's never managed at this level. He, I think he's like many of the fans. You know, we've been away for four years. We've come back, and I think you know we're a little bit shell shocked. At, it's at a culture shock, really, Mike. The quality of the middle to lower teams, and certainly the middle middle teams. Is, is way more than when we left. Yep. And the, the money is distributed now to a point where, you know, te- teams in that middle tier can, can go out and spend shed loads of money. And, you know, we've done it ourselves. You know, we've got a midfielder on the bench, cost, what, 28, 30 million? Uh, you know, silly amounts of money. And before this year, we paid 10 million, 12 million maybe for a player. So I think you have to have faith in in the person in charge and the style now i would say if anything he's at the moment he's just confused the players are confused i think yukanovic is confused doesn't quite know formation doesn't quite know what kind of style we don't you know should we be building out from the back i mean rico on saturday took more goal kicks i think than i've seen in any game that we've (laughs) we've done for a while so um it's it's going to need everyone to have faith in that. But as we know in the modern modern game, 
I think it's easier at places like Burnley and Bournemouth for small crowds to sort of, or a smaller club, to get behind one manager and sort of ride the highs and lows. And um, I'm not sure whether our crowd is is equipped to do that, quite frankly. And it, it, it takes a takes a lot of bollocks to, to do that. You know, we've yeah. lost four in a row. We could, you know, we've we've got Huddersfield next week. Could become five, which would be, you know, that's the sort of signpost for me. Sometimes five losses in a row, then you know, maybe that is time for a change. But I think you just got to hold on. I mean, I've looked at Bournemouth the year they came up. Yep. After ten games, they were seventeenth and had eight points. You know. <laughs> how close is that to so, you know that's three points different to what we've right. got now so and they stuck with with how they so did. you've got to, you've got to decide on um long term i think we've spent so much money though it's it's going to be a very very tough call for the for the cons um if they feel they could ride it out worst case scenario then then yes i, I would stick with the manager but um well, I think we're going to know sooner rather than later, quite frankly. Okay. Given the Very run we've got after after the next game. <laughs> I think the Huddersfield Town match could be a, a crucial one all the way around with, for Fulham Football Club. Max, I want to go to you, your thoughts on what Mike just shared and also what I shared from Eddie Howe there. I, I think what's crucial to make the difference, um, we were talking about other promoted clubs, is that the way we got up is so different than the way a team like Bournemouth or Burnley might have gone up. So much of our squad was built around lone players. And so much of the squad really wasn't there when we got promoted. I mean, you look at the players who we lost. Fredericks, Target, Callas, Norwood. Um, these are play- Piazon. These are players who were still core members of the team that went up. So yeah. when you say, listen, you've got to stick with the same style. Why are you buying so many players? You're seeing a lot of arguments made in the media from people who don't know anything about Fulham saying, oh, it's just a case of ditching the promotion squad. That We've got too many new faces. That's just t- total misunderstanding of what's going on here. Because if you actually look what happened in the Cardiff match, and to a lesser extent against Bournemouth, we had eight players from the promotion season play against Cardiff. Um, that's a huge... We're, we're not necessarily ditching the old guard. And in some cases, the old guard might be the problem. You know, Tim Riemann and Dennis Adoy, are they really a Premier League center-half pairing? No, the answer is no. But the signings also haven't been good enough. So there are problems all around... The team, but when Eddie Howe says you have to keep the same system that brought you up, I'd say I'd, I'd agree with that to a point. But I think what he's kind of missing out on is that we don't necessarily have the same personnel that brought us up, which leads to us being forced to make changes. We didn't just spend 100 million pounds because we could. We did it because our team was literally threadbare. After May 26, you know, after the players had left on loan and Fredericks had gone and Mitro returned to Newcastle, we had to make additions. And I think a lot of people fail to recognize that when they analyze Fulham from the outside. That's a great point. Mike, I want to get your thoughts on what Max just shared, because while he's talking about this, I'm thinking about how Fulham were built the last two seasons. And he brings up a great point about all the loan players. It's just the way that we had to do it to get back to where we want to be. And now you're basically rebuilding a new team. And you brought up a great point. The money sticks out like a sore thumb. It just, it does. So that puts more pressure on you. But um, I was actually on a show last night, a podcast, where the guys were talking to me that maybe you just have to stick through this and be patient. But it's difficult, Mike, because of that money. That, that to me, 
is what everyone is pointing at. It's it's the money. But what Max is also talking about is that, well, this is a brand new team because all of, well, not all, but many of our players last season were loan players. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, that's the headline stuff, isn't it? You know, I mean, we're all guilty of it. You, you look at another side and you see what's going wrong and, and you don't really dig deep into it. It's only, it's only the fans and the sort of press guys who deal with the teams, you know, constantly know the backstory. So, yes, we brought 12 players in um, and we spent 100 million quid. I've just looked at Bournemouth. They got promoted. They brought nine players in and um, and spent about, uh, about 20 million and a couple of free transfers as well. Um, but they still brought in nine players. Right. You know, so... And, and we had to use the loan market. I've seen people being a bit revisionist and, and sort of going, oh, we didn't have to bring all these loans in last couple of years. Well, we did. You know, last year, it was the only way financially you could do it because if we hadn't got promoted, any squad we had would have had to have been decimated anyway because of, you know, end of the parachute payments. So, and it's a means, a means of getting promoted. And, and we've all said that. I mean, even if we had a full squad, you've seen the quality that we're coming up against. I don't believe if we'd come up and we hadn't signed a player, that our squad would be doing much better at, you know, uh, we'd probably just maybe be at the same number of points or maybe even less because right. I'm sorry, you know, as much as we like McDonald and I do, it is a bit fast for him. Reem is, uh, I suggest they, because you're not hearing Reem being called in the stadium, so he's not winning headers because we're not we're not facing teams who do that. And are the players just too fast for him to make those kind of tackles and blocks? And... You know, it's dreadful that we've got Reem and Adoy as our centre-backs at the moment because I have said, you know, if Adoy plays a majority of games, we're going down. And if they are the two centre-backs of the season because he doesn't trust Mawson or, he, you know, Chambers can't find any form, then, uh, you know, we are going to go down. I have no doubt about it if those two are the centre-backs. So, so yeah, we spent 100 million quid and that is, that's probably 30... 30 million more than I expected us to. And um, it does make the threat of relegation and the possibility that they want to make a change because we have to, have to stay up are that much higher. So uh, it's an awful lot to gamble. But we have to spend 100 million just to rebuild the squad and get yes. to some kind of level um, with regards to all those middling teams that you know we were talking about, and we've seen that spending all of that, even if they were all playing to their potential, would still, you know, be, you know, maybe only five or six positions higher. I mean, I've always said 14th would yep. be where we'd finish, and uh, um, I'm wavering a bit, but I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> at the well, Mike, listen, both of you are bringing up great points here. Max talking about the loans from the seasons in past. And I understand that you talking about all these new players and also talking about these players that came up from the championship. I've said this on, on this show, and it's hard for me to say that Kevin McDonald isn't good enough for this league. Stefan Johansson, not good enough. And I'm going to say it. And it hurts me to say this. I don't think Tim Ream's good enough. And I like Dennis Adoy, but like you said, I completely agree with you. If that's your pairing, you're in trouble. You're getting relegated. I'm glad that you, came out and said that. I agree with you on that. 
But that also comes back to the conundrum, the 100 million pounds, Mike, because you have all these players. And I think the problem that Jokanovic is having, Mike, and I think you're, you saw this in this match, all the chopping and changing, I think he trusts certain players. And some of the new players, I don't think he quite trusts. So that's why you're seeing the McDonald's, the Adoys, and the Reams playing. So part of it is on the players, but a part of it is on Jokanovic trusting some of these new players. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, maybe, I mean, we had, I think, uh, off the top of my head, we had six of the 11 were new players the other day. Um, yeah. But, but you have that little triangle of Adoy, Ream, and McDonald, McDonald in the middle of the field. You know, so, and, you know, Mitrovic is, has been, you know, point man for every game. And so it's, uh, he's, he's trying, I think he's trying to just sort of use a bit of last year um, to, to find a way out of the problems we've got at the moment. But, uh, you know, if he really wanted to do that, he would be putting in, you know, Johansson um, and sort of just just trying to revert back to what we had last year. But that's going to be impossible because yeah. some of the key players aren't aren't back. But uh, you know, we have spent you know we've spent the money on Mawson, we've spent the money on Frank. You know, Siri looks a good player. Um, there, there's something about. A greasy, or I can't never pronounce his last name, but you know, I call him Frank. But there's yeah. something about him that's there, you know, that is decent. Um, but there's other question marks, you know, he dropped Brian, you know, after a few games, and why? Because most fans I was speaking to all looked at him and thought, yeah, yeah he's doing a good job, why, you know, why drop him? And uh, and he, he right back, he, he's just you know. It, is it Christie? You know who 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 should go there? I mean, I wasn't too impressed um, with T, TFM there. You know, on on yeah. Saturday at all. Um, but he has to, I think, show faith. I think going forward, he's got to show faith in the in the big signings. You know. See, so I agree with that, Mike. Got to go with Morton, Frank, Siri. Um, I do believe if you have if Kenny's fit. Which is a worry, you know, and there's question marks there. But him, Siri, and Frank in the middle of that midfield. If you can't get results with those three in the midfield, then uh, you've probably got no chance this year. And then I also think he's got to stick with Mawson. Um, and I also, you know, I, I do think it should be three centre backs anyway, given okay. the fact that we have strength in numbers there. You know, if not ability, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> A lot to take in there, my friend. Very good takes by both of you. Quickly, let's talk about the starting 11. Max, I'll go to you first. I want to get your thoughts because when I looked at it, I was trying to figure out what the formation was going to be. How were you feeling right before the match, about an hour before? Yeah, I, th- I think we can probably say it was more of a 4-4-2 with uh, Shirley Mitro up top. You know, you have Kamara assessing on the wings, um, the McDonald's Seri in the middle. I think that was my best guess. Obviously, the one that stood out to me was Kamara starting. He's been kind of very much out of the squad to start the season. Was handed a chance off the bench against Arsenal. Didn't quite do well. Um, but that was a major wild card for me to start Kamara. Actually, I, I, I was in favor of it. I always rated Kamara. I think he's a very bright player. And, you know, Mike touched on it earlier. I think some of the fans are being a bit unfair towards him. He had a lively match. I think it's fair to say. He showed his lack of discipline. 
But let's be honest, for much of the match, he was the only Fulham player willing to try anything remotely adventurous in the attacking third. And we really missed that's that. That's a fair point. So that's what I have to say about Kamara. Okay. Mike, I want to go to you. I want your thoughts on the uh, starting 11 and, and also the shape. Was it a four four two? And then also, here's my thoughts on this. Again, I'm not in with Savisa and his coaches, but Bournemouth have been playing mostly four four two, and they changed it to playing three at the back. Do you think possibly Savisa was planning on playing a team that was playing four four two and decided to match up with it? Well, yeah, I mean, when I saw the lineup, it, session on is the key, isn't it? You're never quite sure, is he going to play left back? Is he going to play the wing back role? Yep. So you try and figure it out that way. I mean, I did think it was going to be uh, three centre backs, um, but it didn't work that way. It was a four four two, four four one one, maybe, but certainly early on, it, it seemed more like a four four two. And uh, and I was surprised, you know, Kamara. Uh, as a right midfielder, for me, is, is never the thing to do. I mean, he played on the left side against Spurs. And um, and again, whether it was deliberate or not, and, you know, and we hear from Christie with team instructions, you know, whether he was asked not to come and, and, and defend against Spurs, I, I don't know. But um, he did a, you know, so I would never play him as a right midfielder. I think the interesting thing about people saying, oh, how comes he stayed on all game? is the comments from Jukanovic after the game when he says, you know, I'm looking for power and speed. And that if there's one thing he does give you, <laughs> you know, you could argue sometimes the only thing stopping him is the advertising boards, the way he just runs. But, um, yep. you know, he, uh, he, he gives you that. There's no other player who gives you that in the team. And uh, I would prefer him to play more central. If you're going to play 4-4-2, maybe play him up top. Um, but then I've got to feel a bit sorry for Vetra as well. Yeah. You know, he he should he should be playing. But yeah, four four two for me it's just not a Yukanovich lineup. He, right. It's uh, I think it goes it's counterintuitive to what he wants to do. And when I said earlier he's confused, I think that sums it up really because uh, he's a he's a at Watford he, he could play free at the back. Um, for us he's played primarily 4-3-3. And I think he may have played 4-4-2 maybe a couple of times, but I'm never convinced. I, I, I always think, oh, he's doing it reluctantly and it's not going to take him long to change it. Um, and, and we saw him change it all, you know, quite early on in the second half. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I was surprised anyway. I, I thought he was going to go with a three at the back. I can't understand, you know, against Arsenal... It wasn't perfect, but it's possibly the best we've looked defensively that first half with those three centre-backs. And why he doesn't want to go back to it, I'm, I'm just, you know, really surprised. That's a good point, Mike, and I'm glad that you brought that up. And again, um, that's why this. I'm glad that you're talking about him being confused because he just keeps trying to change things, trying to find the solution. And I just didn't think the 4-4-2 is – you know, a good formation for him, like you said, maybe a few times he's played it, but there was no creativity with it. And uh, I have to be honest, Bournemouth took advantage of us, I thought, on, on several occasions, especially down our right-hand side, their left-hand side. They were just taking advantage of it. And uh, so that that's what was puzzling to me because I was trying to figure out what was the formation and, 
And like you, Mike, I, I, I wanted to see Vieto, nothing against Kamara, but I happen to like Vieto. I think he offers them a great deal. All right, let's go through. I hate to use it, this term. Let's go through the lowlights of this match, guys. Mm-hmm. Key moments. They're all lowlights. Low moments, unfortunately, most of them. So let's start here. Let's talk about, you know, there was a header from Kamara in the fourth minute to get us going. And, Michael, go right to you. Let's talk about the penalty in the in 13th minute that was caused by Fosu Mensa. Did you get a good view of this? No, it was over the far side. and I wasn't too sure whether it was Mensa or Adoya. It was all seemed a bit innocuous, really. But, uh, you know, having seen it on the replay, it's a silly, silly foul to give away inside the box. And... Uh, um, as I said, I'm not too. Sh- I'm just not sure about Mensah. He's um, he's physically, he's got everything by the looks of it. I mean, he's fast. Um, can't seem to run and cross the ball at the same time. I have to be honest. Maybe he's just too fast, and if he kicks it, it's going to go flying over. But there are plenty of times in the game he, he had a chance to get the ball in and just didn't. But you know, in the end, he's he's playing there as a right back defensively, um, but. I'm I'm yet to be convinced. Uh, I do wonder whether he, I don't know whether he would be good as a right side of a, a back three. I'm not sure, but he has uh, played centre back, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, because he's a big man, that's what I'm sort of thinking. Yeah. You know, he, he's physically quite strong. I think you'd have to rein him in a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, maybe there's an argument for him and a doy switching. Um, but. Uh, you know, I do think Yakanovic has has a thing for Adoy, and uh, you know we'll continue there. But um, mm. yeah, it was disappointing. But Bournemouth had started brightly, and they did. Uh, you know, without troubling us too much, and and to go one down when you could, you know, so early again. But it just you know it's, it's repetition all the time at the moment. Yeah, very good there, Mike. All right, and then of course. Wilson scores to make it 1-0 to Bournemouth. Um, shortly after that, about the 17th minute, Max, I'll go to you. We have to talk about this because when I was watching the broadcast, did not get a good view of this firsthand. I'm thinking, okay, foul on, on Kamara. But once we saw the replay, this is one of the worst dives I've seen. Now, again, we're talking about some of the initiative that Kamara shows going forward. You know, again, I, I get all this, but this to me was a horrible dive by Kamara. I'm going to say the same thing I said after a situation in the Derby County playoff first leg, right? Yes, it's a dive. You should not be doing that. But no other player on the Fulham team would be, be, would be even in that situation. Remember um, against Derby, Kamara had that brilliant breakaway, flicked it over numerous players. It was one-on-one with Keo, I think it was, and then he dived. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he did. But no other player on the Fulham side would have the pace or really the initiative or, or the wherewithal to get in the end of that Begovic first touch and even be in that situation. So that's what you're going to get with Kamara. He's a wild card. <laughs> I mean, Mike said, you know, nothing's going to really stop him running except the advertising boards. He's, he's an absolute – he's a madman at times in the pitch, yeah. but that's why I have him in here. He absolutely disrupts um, other teams' flow. You know, I've heard it said many times on Twitter that even he doesn't know what he's going to do next. Yeah. So imagine what the defender is thinking. So obviously the diving yeah. – is abhorrent. There's no place for that in football. But let's be honest, the fact that he was in that position to press a keeper and get that, that touch in before Begovic could um, is impressive. And that's just, that's just what you're going to get with Kamara. Okay, very good there. 
Max, okay, then we actually have a, a shot by Andre Sherwell that is saved by Osmer Begovic in the 22nd minute. In the 38th minute, you do have the header by a doy that just goes wide off of a corner. And then uh, in stoppage time, you have the header by Kamara, again, off of a, a corner. I mean, but let's be honest, uh, Bournemouth were the better side. They go into the half up 1-0. And, Mike, I want to go to you. I want to get what was going through your mind at halftime. What was going through my mind was it's time to make a change. And I w- was thinking this would be the time that he brings on Kearney. Instead, he brings on Kearney in the 60th minute. And I, th- I thinking afterwards that it probably had – to do with fitness that was probably the plan but were you expecting a change at halftime I know I was uh, no I mean um, as I said uh, before you know Bournemouth were clearly the better side but um, I thought we were doing we were doing okay without troubling them too much but likewise I didn't think you know we had too many issues as well so uh, you're obviously looking at a bench, it's a strong bench, you know, but then we're having a strong bench almost every week, or you, you know, potentially strong bench. And, um, and Kenny, yeah, it's obviously a fitness thing for him, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, 60 minutes for Kenny to come on is, uh, yeah, probably about right for someone who's been yeah. out so, you know, so long. And, but you do, I, I am concerned about Kenny, you know, it took him, a long time last year to sort of get into his stride. Um, and we don't have as many games this year. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to find it quicker. And he is, I'll go back to it again, he is the captain. We're going to need some leadership from him, you know, sooner rather than later, both both on and off the pitch. Um, but no, I wasn't expecting any change at half time. But, you know, I, I thought we came out second half, like I say. I thought we came out second half and we're doing okay. Um, I agree. But, you know, we got sucker punched, basically. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but if you want me to talk about the Kenny sub and what happened with uh, the formation, sure. Um, I sure, can certainly do that. Sure, let's go right there, Mike, because I, I want to ask you about that, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go to Max in just a second, because the substitution is Tom Kenny for Le Marchand. This is what I want to ask you. I want to talk about how the formation changed. But one thing that I noticed that we were more fluid when Kearney came on for obvious reasons. I think he has a huge influence when he plays to Seri. I, I think Seri's a better player for whatever reason when Kearney's out there. So I, I want your thoughts about Kearney coming on, the change of formation, and also what I'm sharing with you, my thoughts on his impact, because I think we need him, and I understand your concerns about his health. Oh, yeah, there's no, there's no doubt uh, Seri's going to do better when Kearney's around. And... Um, it goes back to what I was saying, you know, if, if you've got those two, um, you know, pl- plus Frank or even even, even McDonald, then uh, we, you know, we are going to get, we're going to be okay. Uh, that's my that's my belief. That's why you need to get Kearney fit. But uh, the the substitution, Kearney comes on, you're sort of thinking, well, okay, what change are they going to make here? And you saw Martian go go off, and you sort of okay, so Ryan's going to go to left back they're going to move a few things around but he came on he, he put three fingers to uh, mcdonald and said to him to go back i'm looking at kevin mcdonald and he looks at a doy shakes his head goes back into the middle session doesn't seem to know what what's happening um mensa doesn't seem to know what's happening either and kamara and so you basically have a very 
you have Adoy, Raymond, and McDonald, who knew they were three at the back. Session looked like he understood. Mara, I don't think the message got to him. Um, and I'm not convinced Metzen knew either, because really Kamara should have pushed maybe a bit, you know, more inside. But it just those two were still playing almost like a normal right back and a <laughs> and a right midfield. So it was just a mess. It was you know, yeah, that's that terrible. He, he did not know what was going. On. When Tom got the ball, you know, he found Mensa quite a lot. I mean, I'm sure yeah. if I could find those graphics, you know, those he was passing the ball to him all the time. And um, but. Uh, yeah, I, it was. Uh, what I didn't understand is you've got Mawson on the bench, and uh, if you're going to go to three centre backs, which, like I say, is what I would prefer to do at the moment, yep. um, then Mawson for me is is the is the choice. Um, so it would have maybe been a double substitution, or you know some other way, but I would not have put McDonald McDonald uh, in the middle of those three. So I mean. Do I. No disrespect, yeah. but if you've got Ream, McDonald and Adoy, that's not exactly, you know, I think on a good day, you know, pace-wise, there's a number of us that could probably out, outpace them. <laughs> but, you know, in the Premier League, you're just going to get murdered. And, and that's what as happened. We saw, yeah, as we saw in a breakaway, that's what happened. And, uh, yeah, so that was disappointing. And, again, that's an in-game decision by the manager, which... Um, has gone wrong and has led to another goal, really. And he's done that consistently now for probably the last five games. That's a very good point, Mike, because up to that point, you know, and again, when Kearney comes on, I, th- I thought we looked more fluid. Like you said, it obviously helps out Surrey and things were starting to move. But we were vulnerable in the back, obviously. And Max, I want to go to you because I w- want to talk about the goal by Brooks in the 71st minute. Mike already talked about the issue that we were having in the back, and th- this was too easy for Bournemouth there, my friend. Let's talk about the goal by Brooks that basically um, sealed off the match. There's just no shape. There's just no defensive shape. I mean, you, you, I've seen the picture right when it breaks at, ha- at the halfway line, and Foster Mensa and Sessignon are almost standing five yards apart from one another. And if those are your two wingbacks or fullbacks, that's a disaster. And you're left with, you know, Seri gave the ball away poorly. Reem overcommitted. Adoy was nowhere to be seen. And it's just very well done by Bournemouth. I mean, that's the difference between the championship and the Premier League. Yeah. In the championship, if we're chasing a match, we get away with these kind of things. And they might miss, you know, I mean, the moment that's really popping out to me, I don't know if this is fair, but I remember last season against Leeds, we were actually up 1-0 at the moment. But um, I remember Eku Band from Leeds got played through and Ben Nelly made an amazing save, one-on-one. And then we went up right up the other end of the pitch and scored to make it 2-0. That's the difference between the championship and the Premier League. In the Premier League, we're not going to save these stuff. And they're going to punish us for the, for the chances we give them. And it almost seems at the moment every single opportunity we give up is going in the back of the net. And that's just the, the, the goal from quality. And you know what? I'm going to go out here and we haven't talked about the goalkeepers at all. Yep. Uh, but I'm going to talk about Rico. And I think if Ben Nelly made that one-on-one and went through his legs. I think the, the Rico brigade are all over him and saying, why is Ben still playing? That, that, that's poor. I think Rico, he came out half committed, half didn't go out and pressure the ball. He went right through his legs. Now, I, I'm, I consider myself on team Ben Nelly here. I'm not going to go after Rico because I think it's a, it's a difficult position to be in as a goalkeeper. But I really think there's no consistency between people who favor Rico versus pe- people who favor Ben Nelly because 
I'd say there's no difference between Rico's performance and Ben Ellis' performance in the past couple of matches. And I would even argue that changing the keeper in, 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 in this match just contributes to our instability and makes the back five even more fluid. There's no consistency. And I really think that was a big mistake. Okay. Very good there, my friend. All right. Uh, let's now talk about what happened with Kevin McDonald. He got a, a yellow card early in the second half and then got a second in the 73rd minute. So he is sent off and Fulmar in massive trouble at that point. Then you have the goal, second goal by Wilson, the 85th minute that puts this uh, match away, guys. And Mike, what, what was going through your mind? Let's just wrap up talking about these little light situations because, again, this is a, just a poor match. What was going through your mind after the match, after it just ended? At, at the end of the game. Um, after the match ended, what, what was going through your mind? <laughs> well, um, uh, first of all, how we threw it away in some ways. You know, we were doing okay. Um, even we were just talking about the substitution and Kenny coming on and we had a bit of momentum and we were we were a better team probably for that 10 minutes yep. before the second goal. But, you know, it was just the second goal killed it. Uh, heads went down and, um, you know, of course, sending off just a, just a minute or two later. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much game over because you just couldn't see a way back. And then the third goal just, uh, you know, just another punch to the stomach really and um in in some ways you just didn't want to you just didn't want another goal to go in and just wanted to get the whistle to blow um and so at the end of it it's you know can't believe just can't believe that you know we just can't get anything going at all and you know i'm not gonna say i'll bournemouth for a little side and we should be beating them you know because you've got to you know, make your own luck and performances. And they've, they've been in the league now, what is it, their third or fourth year? Yeah. And they're, they're an established side, just as we became an established side. You know, forget about Gates. And, uh, you know, they've got, they've, got a, they've got a pretty unsung players, shall we say. But in how they've got, they've got a manager who has a system, he's willing to change it around when need be. But they all seemed to know what they were doing and they moved the ball. It's a criticism of Jokanovic is, you know, we moved the ball slowly, possession-wise. The difference with Bournemouth is, I, I thought, is that they moved the ball just that little bit quicker. Um, so I came away thinking Bournemouth moved the ball quicker. They seemed sharper, yep. you know, more on their toes. You know, the word, assertive you know, be a good they word, Mike? They were so, more assertive? Yeah, you know, but yeah, I mean, but they're riding high as well, you know, whereas we're, we're at the opposite end. So, you know, they're on form, um, well, they're six in the table. Um, so, you know, they're on a good run, but uh, we should we should still be giving them a much better game than we are. And But I've just come away, and I used the word confused earlier on, That that's what I come away with. That's, you know, you just don't know what we're going to do next. Uh, and I came away thinking, God, I just don't want to look at social media. And luckily I had an event in the evening, a family event. And uh, so I didn't have a chance to do that. But uh, it was smart, Mike. Trust me. Very smart. <laughs> yeah. um, just disappointed as well yeah. in, some of, in some of the individuals um, as well. But, uh, you know, we move on. But 
Um, can I just say about the sending off? It was yes. absolutely, absolutely awful ball by Doi and McDonald. Yeah, quite rightly, you know, you uh, gave him some verbals, but um, unfortunately, that is a Doi. You know, he he will give you that one mistake a game, absolutely bang on one mistake a game, and 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 that's what he did there, and. Uh, Unfortunately, it's cost it's cost McDonald a game now, and arguably it cost us any chance of getting back into it, even though it yeah. would have still been tough. Yeah, it was all over at that point. All right, guys, just to wrap up the show, uh, let's talk a little bit about Savisa. Let's give him a rating. I, I don't think anyone deserves man of the match, and uh, the stats I don't think really uh, are important at this point based on uh, how this match really turned out. So, Max, I'm going to go to you first. Give a rating for Savisa. That's how we're going to end this show. It's a tough one. I, I'd say four. I think he was outclassed by Eddie Howe. I thought, you know, Rico and goal, I was not pleased with that. And I thought, you know, the four four two. although it, it might have seemed like an effective way to change up our formation and be more solid, we still conceded three goals at the end of the day at home. So I don't think I can give him a very high grade. Okay. Mike, your thoughts on Savisa? Oh dear. Um, <laughs> I, um, I can only give him maybe two. One that he gave Rico a chance, um, and two that he gave Rico a chance. <laughs> really, no, I'm really, I'm seriously struggling because four-four-two, yeah. as I said, is not his formation, um, and also the, the in-game management is just appalling at the moment. Uh, he. When the second goal went in, I, over, I looked over at him. He sort of raised an arm to tell someone to go somewhere, changed his mind, put his head down to the ground, put his hands on his hips, if I remember rightly, and just looked like a man who just had run out, absolutely run out of ideas on, on, on what he was watching, um, which usually means then he won't be around much longer. But uh, I think he has a... A strong enough will and and the ability. I do believe he still has it to to get something going and get some points on the ball. But he's going to have to do it starting next week. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Totally agree, Mike. And uh, one last comment on Savisa, and, and I've mentioned this on the uh, full time show, and I believe I mentioned this last night as well on this other podcast I was on. That I feel like Savisa is hearing too much of the criticism, Mike, from the media, from the fans, and I think he's reacting to obviously chipping all these goals and he needs to fix it. And I almost feel like he's reacting to that. Instead of playing the style that he knows, I think he's worrying way too much about the opponent where he always talks about playing his style. I think he has gone to the other side where he's overcompensating and trying, like he says, going back to basics, as I've been told that they were going to be doing. I think that I think unfortunately the way that he's approaching it, it's um, throwing away his style a little bit. You watched it; that did not look like foam, the free flowing foam football club that I'm used to seeing. Well, let's go back to four, you know, first four or five games. I mean, at Spurs, what about that? What about that uh, twenty-five, thirty? Oh, sure, no, I'm just talking about this specific match, Mike. No, 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 but. That's what I'm saying, though, Russ. You know, the first four or five games, although the results weren't perfect, spells in those games where we were Fulham, 
you know, you can eventually exactly. And that's the been my point. Three, Go ahead. Yeah, the last two or three games, we're not Jokanovic's Fulham. We are not right. playing that kind of possession football. Um, and I think you probably that's a really good point you make. Maybe he is reading and listening and uh, too much. And I go back to the word I used earlier again, which is he's confused. It's confusion. Yes. And that if he's confused, the players will be confused. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, he, he needs to... Now, back to basics is a you know very simple way of putting it, but he he needs to find his own voice again, and that wasn't his voice on Saturday. And that's my point. I'm glad that you brought up say against Spurs. We could talk about the Burnley match. You know, you could talk about even a, a spell against Watford. That was still our style, even against Brighton in some points. Still Fulham style. But that last match was not Fulham style. Max, I want, I want your thoughts on this because I've given this a good amount of thought. Again, everyone is chirping about Fulham with all the money that they spent, with weakening all the goals. This is just my opinion. I don't have any proof of that. I think Savice is hearing some of this, and I think he is reacting to it. And I think he needs to get back to his style and find the balance within his style. I think that this match epitomizes him abandoning his style a bit. What I think a lot we have to remember about Salisa is that he's never managed in the Premier League before. This is his first time in the Premier League, and I think a lot of managers face challenges in adapting to new environments. And the Premier League, it can be argued, is the most unforgiving league in the world. And, and that's showing. We're nine matches in. A lot, of, a lot of what he's doing is not working. He's trying to change. It's not working. Back to basics, you can say, is the solution. At this point, I don't think anyone knows what the real solution can be. I think one thing that is, is, is a minor solution, which we saw when Carity came on, is that when we have players who can possess the ball better, it improves our defense. And it can say, listen, right. if we keep the ball more, we play our possession football like we know how to do. That's what I think about going back to basics. Then it really puts less pressure on the defense and focuses on our attack, which is, I think, where, where we're strongest. So, I mean, going forward against Huddersfield, Hopefully, Kennedy starts in the off. I think hopefully Mawson starts as well instead of Adoy, I, I would have to say. And you can kind of combine that possession football with more defensive solidity. And yep. I, I do think Yukanovich is the right man for the job. I think sacking him, unless, unless this really continues, would be a mistake, would cause more instability. And I always think back to 2013-14 when you know, we had three different managers and how poor that was. Right. What we have to do is just stay consistent. Right. And that's kind of where I'm going on this. That's why I am back in the manager, and I just want the manager to get back to his identity. And when he's playing the Arsenals of the world, we're going to be playing Liverpool. You don't have to be all gung-ho against him. You could still play within your style like we saw against Spurs. There was that period of time where you'll have the ball. You can, you know, and, and again, good point by you, Max. You know, the way that you're kind of has um, built this team is through the possession-based style, and that does help out the defense. Not going to be able to do that against every opponent, but you can attempt to try to find the balance against the bigger teams. But against teams like Bournemouth, you should be able to impose your style, and they did not do that. That was the one big thing that I took out of this. That was not form that I saw against Bournemouth. It just wasn't Savisa's form, and that's what was disappointing me. All right. Good show, guys. Great show. Mike, 
Thank you so much for joining us at the last minute. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Russ. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, a bit of a vent from Saturday, which was required, I think. Well, I wanted to give you a chance to vent there, my friend. I'm glad you could join us. Max, I know you needed to vent. Do you feel better now? You usually feel better after this, or do you still feel the same? <laughs> I feel a little bit better, I think, sometimes. It is ripping off a mandate. You got to talk about the result. Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, Wednesday, ask me how I feel after we get thrashed 8 0 Eddie Hat. <laughs> and I'll get back okay. to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Great show, but it is time to wrap it up. For my co host, Max Cohen and Mike Greg, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.